Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Alan, I am doing great, man. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know what? It's strangely comforting to see that Sir Alan of the Round Table. Actually, ladies and gentlemen, has a round table. I'm sitting at it right now. Well, Mark, when you when you started calling me that, I, I tried to point to the table. But at that point, you were at your place and I was at mine. And I guess we should tell everyone we're actually together in the studio today. We are together in the studio. Mark, if I'm not mistaken, speaking of first, which we will eventually... This is a first for us. It certainly is. Yeah. It's a little weird to look across the table and actually see you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who is it I was expecting to see. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be kind enough to limit our disappointment. It's like, okay, it, it is you after all. I was hoping maybe it was like, you know, <laughs> someone else, but. Well, we all want to be a better version of ourselves. So we'll keep working on that. <laughs> yeah. But this is very cool. Uh, this, uh, the studio is actually a uh, really, really cool. I'm, 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 I'm psyched for today, man. Uh, this is awesome. I just wish our good buddy Constantine could have been here. That would have made it complete. But, you know, we've got him on standby. We're text. We're both texting him independently, giving him, uh, you know, uh, conflicting instructions on what to do. Uh, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually taken a side gig as a caterer for this company called Party Down. That's weird. I, I thought maybe he was going to be working for some construction company that we'd hear about in the, today and never hear about again, because that's going around. It is. It really is. Well, welcome everybody to the podcast. Um, so as you know, everybody, this is season two, episode 24, Freddy Spaghetti. And today we're like we did last week with the master plan. We're going to review the producer's cut. Um, that producer's cut for Freddy Spaghetti ran about 25 minutes and 15 seconds. I think the the canon cut, as we like to call it, Mark, was yep. 2137. So not as much extra materials we got with the master plan. Um, I don't, not sure they needed it here. This story was pretty tight overall, but, uh, it was nice to see a few extra minutes and see, give give what was on air a little more breathing room. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think we've, we've seen in a lot of the shows in the past, um, sometimes the deleted scenes add a lot. Sometimes, man, they're just like little funny things. I think both of these shows actually had some decent content that, like you said, they ended up putting in producer's cut and, and not this one as much as the last one, the master plan. But I, I thought this was really enjoyable. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, today's episode first aired on May 20th, 2010. It was written by Dan Gore, who we've talked about many times before. Dan was the creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, you know, he, he's been a writer on, on other things. Like, I think he wrote 825 episodes of Late Night with Conan O'Brien or something like Holy that. Cow. Yeah. So he's done some writing. Mm -hmm. This is his fourth of 10 Park episodes that he has uh, written. And then this episode was also directed by Jason Wallner, who we've also spoken up. Yep. Um, I think this may be the last time we talk about him. This was his third of three episodes. Mm. Prior to this, he did Beauty Pageant and Woman of the Year. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So thank you, Jason. And, uh, you know, good luck to you as well. Well, Mark, uh, should we get into our episode synopsises? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's get uh, get our synopses on. Well, as I look through this, there there's one main storyline, uh, obviously, and I think that I, I got enough meat on some other stuff to make a second. So we'll see what the judges say with this. Fair enough. All right. So I have the, the first story, the A story, if you will, as the show must go on. With the government shutdown in full swing, Leslie explains at a public forum that the kids concert featuring Freddie Spaghetti has been canceled. Leslie visits several people to either vent or brainstorm ideas, including Chris, Ben, Tom, and Mark, 
who tells a stunned Leslie he's taken the offered buyout and now works for bum, 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 Norton Construction and suggests holding the concert at Lot 48 since it's not a park and therefore not shut down. Ron has been assigned to the Emergency Budget Task Force, or EBTF, <laughs> and is initially giddy at the cuts proposed by Chris and Ben. But when he learns they plan to fire Leslie, Ron objects and offers his job instead, also letting it slip about the concert. Chris and Ben make their way to the concert intent on shutting it down. Leslie finds out Freddy Spaghetti took another gig. She asks Andy to play instead, but he's hit by a car while driving his new motorcycle home to retrieve his guitar, breaking his right arm. What will happen? Is Andy okay after the crash? Who will they get to play at the concert now? Will Chris and Ben even allow the concert to go on? Will Leslie end up being fired? Is Mark actually quitting his job? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Wow, very nice. So that, that was all one storyline. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure how to break that out. So I, I put that all as one. Fair enough. Well, now I'm curious what you've got a story too. I am curious as well. The B what, stories what the kids say. They, they do this. They, they say those that those <laughs> nutty kids. All right. The second story, the B story, uh, I just called AAA, April Andy Ann. Um, ah. Ann is struggling with what is next in her life, having recently broken up with Mark, recently made out with Chris, and not wanting to do anything else impulsive, which she has a history of doing after getting out of long relationships. Andy has been trying to get hold of April who has been avoiding him. When he finally chases April down and gets her to listen, Andy says he has feelings for her. April responds in kind, but also says they shouldn't see each other because she thinks he still has feelings for Anne. Driving home to get his guitar when Leslie asks him to play at the concert, Andy gets in a crash and breaks his arm. Anne visits Andy in the hospital and out of nowhere, she suddenly kisses him but quickly stops, embarrassed, and leaves. How will this turn out? Does Anne truly have feelings for Andy? How will April respond to Anne's kiss? Who else in the hospital will try to kiss Andy? Fear not, loyal viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Oh, very nice. Okay. Now I see what you did there. All right. Judges? I, I think the judges will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it may be different than the notes the judges had written down. But you know what, Mark? There's no <laughs> right or wrong answer here, as in the real life. Fair enough. All right, Mark. Well, thanks again for those synopses. I think next up is our AKAs. What do you got this week? All right. Well, I had a, I had a couple, and these are pretty straightforward. Um, my 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 runner up is um, where you know Leslie's arguing with Ben about uh, how special Pawnee is or not, and and Ben brings up the fact that Idaho, you know, is basically one big park, and they had to <laughs> slash their budget by eighty percent. And Leslie says, you know, this isn't the first time I've said this, and I'm gonna say it again in the future. Pawnee is better than Idaho. So that that's my little uh, AKA. And um, my my number one is just very simple. It's it's because it's indicative of this episode for a number of reasons. And I think it's kind of funny. Mark Brandana quits. Yeah, that's it. Just that word. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's been you know, it's been a bit of a meme at different times and used in, you know, in the, the popular culture of the kids there. Or at least that's what I've heard. I don't know. How about you? Well, Mark, I had two this week, and um, one of them was a, was a Lucy line. And uh, she says, you know, she's just been introduced to all of his coworkers, and Tom's like saying, we did some sex stuff last mm -hmm. night. And she goes, <laughs> look, you guys know Tom really well, so I don't have to apologize for his behavior, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. I, I think you'd have to have that mindset to be Tom's girlfriend personally. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And the other one is, uh, you know, your boy, Ron. He's enjoying himself so much in the slash it, slash it of the day that, uh, you know, he's had this argument with Leslie and he takes a big drink of coffee to punctuate his point, burns his tongue and says, 
I burned my tongue. Don't even care. <laughs> Such is the magnitude of his giddiness. It, it doesn't even phase him. It really doesn't. Yep. No, no. And, you know, you, some, you just got to love Ron. <laughs> Both he and Leslie are very focused in this episode. I'll say that much. Absolutely. And they're on different sides of the of the line, just like they were in last episode. Yep, absolutely yep. true. All right, Mark. Well, you know what? Let's get into our episode breakdown. All right. Our cold open today is uh, about 55 seconds. I would say it's definitely plot relevant. And we see both outside and inside shots of an abandoned city hall. It's almost a little creepy. It is a little uh, creepy. Kind of Shining-esque. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, we see, obviously, this is proof of the government shutdown that it happened in the last episode. The exception being Ron sitting by himself at one of the circular tables in the center of the bullpen. And he's just sitting there. His hands are clasped. Everything is quiet. And he is just grinning. And the only thing that breaks the silence is his Zen moment. There is Andy apparently roller skates by in the hallway and then comes in the bullpen to ask Ron where everyone is. And he obviously doesn't know about the government shutdown. So Ron tells him about that, uh, which Andy realizes, oh, gosh, this is bad timing since he apparently just purchased a new motorcycle. Um, <laughs> and Andy mentioned he's trying to be, been trying to get hold of April. And if Ron sees her, please tell April he's trying to contact her. All right. Very nice. You know, Mark, um, the, like you said, it, it was not a very long cold open, but I think it sets the episode up nicely. I, I like the kind of ambiance of this empty city hall and, uh, you know, what's going to happen when it's, it's kind of setting up for the cliffhanger. It is very night of the comic comet esque. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Nailed it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, from there, after the cold open, where you find ourselves over at a public forum, I think we've been here before for other public forums. I think it's Stephen Day Elementary, as I recall. Yep. And Ron and Leslie are addressing the crowd, uh, you know, about the closure and how this is going to affect the parks department. This is a typical fun array of our crazy, crazy Pawnee citizens asking crazy, crazy Pawnee citizens questions. Um uh, you know, they're, they're not pleased about the government shutdown, but they, they really, really aren't pleased when this kind of culminates in Leslie acknowledging that the kids concert tomorrow at Ramsen Park, the Freddy Spaghetti concert, has been canceled. And as the disgruntled crowd leaves, we can clearly see uh, kind of shades of, of uh, last episode that Leslie is very upset while Ron is borderline giddy. Very nice. Well, you know, Mark, it's understandable that these parents are upset because they don't know what they're going to do with their children over this summer. I mean, what are they going to do? Live in their own houses? <laughs> I think that was my favorite where the, the woman's like, what am I supposed to do? You know, have my kids at my house where, where I, I live? live? <laughs> it's funny because there's a kernel of truth yeah, to it. <laughs> absolutely. I can totally relate. Well, and that and, you know, combine that with the fact that with the government shutdown, I mean, what are we going to do about Al-Qaeda? I uh, mean, my God. Yeah. Who's going to stop them now? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Well, after that scene, at, we're, we head over to City Hall and Leslie has arrived to plead with Chris and Ben, you know, about they have to do something because, you know, the biggest casualty of this war, Mark, the children. Oh, the children. Poor children. You, you know, the ones living in my house. <laughs> Where you live? Where I live. Yeah. Leslie wants to see if if they can do, Chris and Ben can do anything about this canceled Freddy Spaghetti concert. And in typical Chris and Ben style, Chris appears <laughs> to be genuinely very interested and very concerned with the canceled concert. And we need to fix it. <laughs> but when Ben arrives a short while later, Chris defers to Ben asking him if there's something that can be done, which 
Ben insists there isn't. And Chris apologizes and then takes off for his daily 10 mile run. I love it. And then, as you know, when Chris is gone there, Leslie turns to Ben to try to talk about a solution. And Ben very pragmatically reminds her that a Pawnee is broke. B there is no money for a concert. C her department is a very low priority in the grand scheme of things. And D she shouldn't even be in the building due to her badge categorization of being a non-essential employee. <laughs> I love the badge and the picture on it. I know. Uh, it's like she didn't know she was getting her photograph taken as she was itching her eye or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that, you know, the government's been shut down for two days, just two, Mark. But, you know, one city employee has tried now for four, 14 times to set up a meeting with him. Can you guess who? Guess who that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea who he's talking about. Well, and, you know, Mark, the, the the other thing, too, I think we actually featured this clip on our website at one point, or at least a little gif, you know, or gif, as the kids say, based on it. The, you know, Chris has run 10 miles a day for 18 years. Oh, yeah. That's 65,000 miles, a third of the way to the moon. My goal is to run to the moon. <laughs> and then he takes off. He takes off. Mm. I love it. It's so fast. Yeah. Faster to me. I know that. Hmm. Well, you know, I think after this scene, we're going to bounce over to Pawnee St. Joseph Hospital, where we've been many times before with Nurse Ann Perkins. You know, apparently this is located about the nine mile marker on Chris's jogging path. I noticed that. Yeah, he he's making his uh, his 10 mile circuit, as is his wont. And he stops by the uh, Ann Perkins Hospital. That's just what I call it. Yeah, um, I like that. And and he pays Ann's, Ann Perkins a visit. And she's kind of surprised to see him. And Chris tells Anne that he uh, would love to go out on a date with her and essentially ask her out. Uh, but Anne kind of begs off saying, oh, you know, I'm really busy. And Chris very cheerfully takes this in stride and tells her, OK, Anne Perkins, I will try again soon. And then he leaves to run to do the final, you know, mile of his 10 mile run. Right. I think there is a one of her nurse friends says, OK, this is is that the guy who who <laughs> likes you and you're not really into? And she's like, yeah, like, OK, what part of him are you not looking at? <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, especially given that he's done nine of his 10 miles and he hasn't even broken a sweat yet. Yeah. 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 Uh, he and I have the same uh, genetics, Mark, clearly. What, what was this? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm not sweating uh, my heart. My resting yeah. heart rate is 28 beats per minute. Like his heart could pump gas into a jet engine or something. <laughs> That's too fun. Uh, so good. Well, once again, and for the last time, an upset Leslie turns to the wisdom of city planner Mark Brandanowitz. Yep. But today, well, the results are going to be different. Leslie comes into Mark's office, you know, to, to vent, to look for, for wisdom, advice. Um, and Mark appears to be packing up his stuff in boxes. And when Leslie asks him what's happening, Mark admits to her that they offered him a buyout and he took it. So now he works for Norton Construction. Leslie is upset, knocking stuff out of his hands and calling him Mark Brendana quits, you know, because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and then Mark has a great a little talking hit. Actually, you know what? Let's have a who's our replacement for Constantine today. Who did we get? I, I think it's me. Let's have you uh, <laughs> play, play this clip if that's all right. Oh, God help us. All right. Here we go. All right. Mark Brendana quits. Recently, I had been thinking about maybe uh, leaving this job, but I felt like I needed a sign. And then Anne broke up with me the week that I was going to propose. The government got shut down. And yesterday, one of those pigeons took a on me. And I was indoors. So 
Uh, that's bad, Mark. If you're indoors and the pigeons still find a way to crap on you, that is a that is a trifecta. Uh, if I've ever heard of one, and, and broke up with them. Yeah, the government got shut down, and then the pigeon took a beep, an indoor pigeon beep. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, uh, if that, I, I guess I was going to say if that's the worst thing that happens to you, but you know, he's had a pretty bad run of luck there, and who can blame him for thinking, you know, maybe that's the sign he's been looking for. It's been a great week. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great week. Yeah. That was a good line last week. Loved it. Well, you know, we're never precisely sure why this next scene happens. At least I'm not, Mark. Agreed. Leslie shows up at Tom's apartment and has apparently chosen a pretty bad time to do so. You know, Alan, I, I the way I figured it is she's just running the gamut of people that she knows looking for help or advice or whatever. It's got to be that. Just yeah. saying, OK, now I'm to the point where I'm. I'm desperate enough to ask Tom for advice about the, <laughs> the phrase spaghetti thing. And so she she knocks on his I, I guess it's an apartment. It seems like that. Yeah, I think after him and Wendy hit Splitsville, uh, you know, Wendy got the house and Tom uh, moved into an apartment. Yep. Yeah. Um, so she knocks on his apartment door and we hear boys. It's the Timberlake apartments, Mark. Oh, my gosh. Tommy Timberlake. Tommy Timberlake. That's right. Oh, and we hear boys to men playing inside and in a, in a half dressed um Tom answers the door and Leslie tells Tom that, you know, she needs his help. And Tom tells her he's about to have sex and please go away. Um, and Leslie tries to give him some unwanted advice until Tom finally just closes the door in her face. Uh, yeah, the, the whole scene is a little cringy, but also a little bit funny. Yeah, agreed. yeah, it really is. Well, Leslie is visiting at the hospital next and, and realizes that she, Mark, I think she needs less man time and more Ann time. Agreed. And I think Ann needs less man time and more Ann time as well. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're onto something. And, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting to me, you know, as we said, that she's running the gamut talking to people. I think she views Anne as her anchor. And mm. so she went through all these other people and they're like, OK, I'm going to go back to my dependable bestie of Anne at the very end. That's you know, the way it feels. It does feel that way. And it's a good point. I, I was a little shocked. I guess she didn't do it in the reverse order. Yeah. But, you know, Anne was at work. So maybe she was putting that off and, you know, she doesn't cross. She, she tries not to cross that border, but she's going to cross that border. Well, I mean, maybe if she would run 10 miles a day like Chris, she could have visited Anne at the hospital as well. That's true. Um, so, yeah, we, we see Leslie uh, sitting with Anne on a gurney in the hospital. Uh, and both of them are just venting about, you know, just general stuff going on in their lives. Anne thinks she needs to stay away from the guys for a while and just focus on herself. More Anne time. Um, while Leslie is still stewing over the canceled children's concert. And Anne kind of has an epiphany. She's brainstorming. And she asks Leslie, well, look, if the parks are closed, Lot 48 is not a park. Is not closed. Why don't we have the concert there? And Leslie loves yeah. this idea. And you devious bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think Leslie's also just so frustrated. She uh, There's a line in there. She's come to this realization that, you know, uh, poop tubes are more important than the children of Pawnee Mark. Yeah. 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 And, and who wouldn't be frustrated by that? Yeah. That's not a good comparison. Ever. No, no. Mm -hmm. I, I, I rank children above poop tubes. I mean. Just one step, but you know, above. Yeah. Greater than is greater than. I learned that in math. There it is. Mm -hmm. Well, Leslie, you know, she's at Ann's house now and she's, you know, get her in the mood. She's listening to Freddie's Spaghetti CD and she's working on the plan. And I think she thinks, you know, she's a little worried her team isn't going to be there to support her. <laughs> we, we learned that in the last three hours, Leslie has come up with a plan and she has, in her words, sent up the bat signal Love it. for the gang to join her and Anne at Anne's house. And as you said, you know, Leslie is initially worried that maybe no one will show. But then 
we see Jerry, followed by April, arrive. And this greatly relieves Leslie. And she hugs them both. And then she sends Jerry to get equipment out of the truck. <laughs> and then she asks Anne to make them pancakes, which just feels right. It, it feels right. Um, there was actually, uh, you know, we won't talk much about deleted scenes today because there's not a lot of them. But there was one deleted scene that kind of set up the pancake uh, conundrum, I suppose. There's an earlier scene where Anne has made pancakes for Leslie. They're floating in a bowl of syrup that's about four <laughs> inches deep. Because, <laughs> you know, Mark, you don't want that syrup to spill. No, you got to have it in a bowl. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to have. Pancakes a la Leslie here this afternoon and see how those go. That's just sensible. It is sensible. Well, Ron is now attending the Emergency Budget Task Force. Mark, what'd you call that? The EBT? Uh, the Emergency Budget Task Force or EBTF. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's there and he's sharing his love for both rounding up and wildly inappropriate ringtones. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, you know, Ron has been selected to be an official member of the EBTF and uh, much quite an honor, much. He is delighted and giddy. And he <laughs> um, not only is he chanting, I believe the phrase is slash it, slash it. But then uh, <laughs> a woman next to him says, you know, do you mind? This is this is serious. I mean, people are going to lose uh, their jobs. And he's like. Yes, Florence, I do mind. And he's so excited. Like, mm -hmm. look, I even made banners. Yeah. Or pennants. Little pennants. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, one says slash and the other says it. it. <laughs> so funny. Um, so, yeah, as you might expect, Ron is rooting for expense cuts everywhere, even more than is needed. I think he was going to round up from 32 to 40 percent, for example, which even Ben's like, OK, we, that's probably not <laughs> yeah, necessary. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, he also suggests turning, uh, selling City Hall altogether. Uh, <laughs> let somebody turn it into a large gas station or a TJ Maxx. Yeah, either one. They both work. In, and then in the middle of the meeting, as you said, we hear <laughs> a loud gunshot. Oh and it turns out that's Ron's uh, uh, ringtone. <laughs> it's like, sorry, uh, don't cut anything in the, you know, without me. And he goes out in the hallway and it's Leslie calling him. And she just calling him to say, Ron, we're 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 doing it. We're going to put on the Freddy Spaghetti concert yeah. at 5 p.m. on lot 48. And Ryan tries to talk her out of it. But she's like, no, you know, you watch me do this. I'm on a mission. And yeah. Yeah. Leslie's mind is set here and nobody's going to turn her away from this uh, from this mission. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, over at lot 48, the gang is here. Um, Leslie is continuing to hand out assignments. Um, I think Lucy finally gets to meet Tom's co-workers. Yeah. Like you said, they're all setting up for the concert. Um, Leslie does ask Donna, who probably has the nicest car, her her beloved baby, her Mercedes, uh, to pick up Freddie Spaghetti in order to give him the star treatment. Um, Tom and Lucy join the gang. Uh, they're holding hands, which is very sweet. And Tom introduces Lucy as his girlfriend. And he makes several not so subtle statements indicating, you know, they had sex last night. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I I love Lucy's little clip where she says, you know, you guys know Tom really well, so I don't have to apologize for his behavior. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so good. And then Leslie ends up giving a little speech to the get the gang pumped, uh, ending it by saying that, you know, I by the way, I didn't get any porta potties. Uh, so the audience will just have to use Anne's house for the bathroom. And you see the camera goes to Anne and April and the <laughs> Anne looks very worried and concerned. And April's just kind of grinning evilly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're expecting like, what, 300 people? Hopefully <clears throat> get back to work. OK, see you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Don't your bathroom's going to get wrecked, Anne. But thank you. <laughs> 
Well, following that first sequence at Lot 48, Mark, uh, Andy comes in and he's, uh, he's got his bike and it's really loud, apparently. And he wants to show it to Tom and Lucy. Well, see, I just thought he was taking cues from Carl Lorthner. <laughs> it was a little Carl-esque. But yeah, he, he, he apparently if it's a, his new motorcycle is kind of loud there. So he's talking kind of loud. Um, which Is it sickle or cycle? I've, I've always wondered this. I've heard it both ways. Um, let's see. But so but Andy actually excuses himself from talking with Tom and Lucy because he sees April. Yeah. who He's been trying to contact for quite a while. So That's he excuses true. himself and he runs over to her and and Andy tells her he's been trying to get hold of her. And he asks her why she didn't call him back. And her simple answer is, I'm so sorry. I was too busy not wanting to talk to you. <laughs> can't can't argue with that. So then looking for, April is looking for an excuse to get away from Andy. And she sees Jerry walk by with, I think, some flyers yeah. that he was going to post around the neighborhood. Right. And she says, I'll do it. And she grabs the flyers and takes off. And Andy just kind of is confused at this point and kind of looks dumbfounded at the camera and then runs off after April. You want some help with that? So he's not giving up. No, he's not. And, you know, if, if April's taking over a job for, for Jerry, she she wants to get away for a minute. Oh, for sure. Clearly. Yep. Yeah. Well, up next, Tom and Ann are having a nice moment over at Lot 48, I think near the goat pen. And, uh, you know, Tom's demonstrating some newfound maturity. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, he, he really is, as you said, kind of. Um, Tom tells Anne he had heard about her, her you know, makeout session with Chris. Like, ooh, way to go, uh, which seems kind of old, Tom. Um, and Anne insists nothing's going to happen. And then, you know, in a rare moment of honesty and intuitiveness, Tom tells Anne, um, you know, taking your time makes sense right now. Any guy would be lucky to have you as a girlfriend. And Anne is very surprised and appreciative at this. But... Tom the perv makes an appearance very quickly and brings the uh, admittedly nice moment to an end by, uh, you know, asking for a three way. <laughs> well, you know, Tom is Tom is Tom. Yep. What are you going to do? Yep. Well, back at the emergency budget meeting, it's finally time to talk about the Parks and Recreation Department. Yes. Back at the EBTF. I just love that acronym. Um, so <laughs> you and your acronyms. I know. Yeah. I need an acronym dictionary of your acronyms. I mean, Call it the uh, Mark's Big Book of Acronyms, uh, uh, MB. I think uh, Mark's Acronym Compendium, the MAC. The MAC. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, so at the EBTF, uh, Ben is now gotten to bum, 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 the Parks and Rec Department. And he mentions that thanks to Ron, actually, the services budget has been cut quite a bit. Yeah. But hard on that. they now need to talk job cuts, starting with Leslie Nope. And and at this, Ron doesn't even I mean, he's not even angry or anything. He just laughs. He doesn't take this seriously. Yeah, yeah. He just says, no, 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 no. That's that's not an option. But Ben persists saying that, look, this is logic here, right? That she makes the second highest salary in the department. This is going to go a long way. And Ron adamantly insists, no, this is not an option. And he's starting to get a little worked up. Yeah. You know, I forget her name earlier that, you know, uh, Ron was uh, talking to her uh, about his penance and, you know, Florence, Florence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Ron and Florence and all the other people in this room, they're all department heads. Right. Mm -hmm. And for all of them, it's basically, you know, they're there. They're probably going to protect their jobs, you know, when threatened in a situation like this. I'm curious to see what Ron's going to do here. Yeah, the fact that he would get worked up about any cut is is interesting and not in his normal character. It's really not. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Mark, they also Ron did throw out a couple other options, you know, selling the zoo animals. <laughs> um, I mean, let's explore some other options first. Right. 
Yeah, he's just spitballing. It doesn't matter, like to a weird restaurant. Yeah, cosmetic labs. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Let's figure out something. <laughs> well, you know, as Ron continues to object, we bounce back over to activity near Ann's house, and we see Andy demonstrating his his knowledge of modern psychotherapy techniques. Yeah, he's a he's quite the sharp one, that Andy. Yeah. Um, he's he's following April as when we last saw him. She he's not giving up. So he's following April as she's walking around the neighborhood, you know, posting flyers or at least pretending to asking her to stop and talk to him. She keeps refusing, only stopping when Andy tells her, fine, I don't want to talk to you anyway. (laughs) And she kind of stops and looks at him. And then Andy says smugly, reverse psychiatry. (laughs) Total improv by Pratt. You love Pratt. Um, So April finally gives him a chance and Andy just simply lays it out for her. He likes her, you know, in a romantical kind of way, which <laughs> makes April smile. Mm-hmm. And when Andy asks her if she likes him, she immediately says yes with yeah. no hesitation. And Andy's like kind of celebrating here a little bit. Like it, it looks like things are going to be fine. Now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm happy. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Like you, you can end the scene now. And then, then, but then, however, Andy says, "Well, do you?" So let's go out. And she thinks about it and she says, "No, I don't think we should see each other." Mm-hmm. And I think Andy thinks it's because of their age difference. Uh, But then April lays it out for him by saying, no, I don't care about that. It's because whenever I see you talk to Anne or talk about Anne, I feel like you still have feelings for her. And Andy protests and says, no, no, I don't. I don't. But April says, well, I think you do. So that's a problem for me. And Mm. then Andy stands there speechless and April walks on. Conundrum, Mark. What are you going to do? I know. Yeah. It's hard to argue with uh, what is a somewhat valid argument here. Yeah. Perception is reality. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, following, you know, Andy's com- conversation with April, Ron and Ben are still passionately discussing the fate of the Parks Department, you know. Um, and I think, Mark, let's just play this scene and then let's talk about it. I agree. This is a good one. Because of my libertarian beliefs, Leslie does 95 percent of the work. So you should lay me off. I'd be proud to be a casualty in this righteous war. It's precisely because of your beliefs that we need to keep you. You would maintain fiscal responsibility after we're gone. I strenuously object. Okay, well, Ron, we're moving on. Every department's losing a Leslie Nope. No, Ben, they are not. No other department has one to begin with. Right now, she's single-handedly putting up some lousy concert for the city's kids. She's doing what? Did someone else massage my shoulders? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, Mark, first of all, everybody has their own agenda in this meeting, clearly. Yes. And Chris's is about shoulder massages. Yeah, I I think we may have skipped that in one of the earlier meetings. Chris was trying to kind of loosen up everyone's brains by starting a massage train, which, you know, he starts on Ron, which is kind of funny in and of itself. It is. He was kind of, uh, you know, uncomfortable with that. Well, you know, there's several things about that I love, Mark, and and I got to believe you do, too. You know, first of all. Ron is in there. He's at bat. He's not going to let this happen. Um, you know, as much as I'm sure anyone would hate to lose a Leslie Nope, you know, Ron's right. Nobody else has one. Not not a Leslie Nope. This is an example of, of some of the great writing that they do. I am this. This was good stuff um, for him to make that adamant point because things are it seems like things are starting to get a little bit heated. Yeah. Ben's look like, look, Ron. Ben's basically saying, shut up, Ron, we're moving on. I don't care. You know, talk to the hand. Everybody's (laughs) losing a Leslie. Nope. And Ron doesn't back down. And then in fact, doubles down and says, no, Ben, they're not. No other department has one to begin with. I love that quote. Yeah. 
It's terrific. And, and we know it's true because we also love Leslie for the same reasons Ron does. Most people's number two, while I'm sure they're terrific, they are not a Leslie Nope. And, and, and I, I think that if one were cynical, you could argue, well, you know, Ron doesn't want to lose Leslie because then he's going to have to do work. Yes, that's true. But I firmly believe that goes far beyond that. I think that's his baseline and he'll always say that and it's in character. And while it's even true for him, this is about loyalty. Yep, I agree. Absolutely agree. Well, Mark, over at Lot 48, things are really shaping up when Ron, in a panic, comes running and slides in the first base or, well, something like that. (laughs) This was tremendous. Yeah. Ann and Leslie are kind of sitting to one side and they're admiring what they've done so far, you know, with the concert setup. And we see... Uh, I think kind of in the background and Ann and Leslie are kind of talking and the camera goes to the background. We see Ron arrive. He he arrives. He gets out of his car. He runs. He bolts. Full tilt. Yeah. Towards Leslie and Ann in a panic, wiping out on the grass spectacularly before he gets there. <laughs> I mean, Alan, I was impressed. I have never seen Ron move this fast where Bacon wasn't involved in some way. <laughs> Maybe even faster than when Bacon is involved. I, and so Ron tells them the state auditors are coming. Uh, and his quote is, you know, the Russians, <laughs> Andy, they're coming. The Russians. No, <laughs> I love that. State auditors, the state auditors, because he said, I accidentally told them what you were doing in an attempt to save some government jobs. Pause. It's been a very strange oh, day for so me. Good. Yeah. And then. Uh, true to Ron's word, uh, we see then Chris and Ben approach the group. And Chris gets up on stage and tells them that they are super amazing. They are what makes Pony great. And he totally supports their inspiring efforts. And now my partner, Ben, has something he wants to say. And then, you know, it's it's the one two punch of Chris and Ben, you know. Yeah, good cop, bad cop, classic stuff. And then Ben is the second cop. The the, the bad cop says, yeah, we're shutting this down. (laughs) And Chris, Chris, damn, that's terrible news. Surely there has to be a solution, Ben. No. Ben says, no, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, and so Ben is telling them the concert's canceled, but Leslie gets right in his face and says, in fact, no, Ben, the concert's not canceled. You know why? Because we're putting it on ourselves. The stage is built. Everything was donated for free by local vendors and Freddie Spaghetti's gonna sing. Except <laughs> just then Donna tells her that she just found out uh, Freddie Spaghetti is not coming. And then at that point, I think the gang, if you will, uh, everyone gives the gang gives Ben mean looks and kind of walks away to, to talk on their own. Yeah. Well, Leslie ensures them, though, that something much cooler is going to happen. She thinks, hey, Ann, help me figure that out. Right, right, right. <laughs> I love, too, that, uh, you know, that scene ends and, uh, you know, Chris is totally nonplussed about this. They've obviously been in these situations where they've had to deliver this kind of bad news over and over again. And uh, he just mostly wants to make sure everyone's hydrated. I agree. And and there's an interesting aspect about Chris that I want to talk about later. I'll I'll leave till the end. Fair enough. We'll make sure and circle back to that. Yep. Well, in the next scene, you know, Don is breaking the news about how Freddie Spaghetti is uh, actually in hell. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. Worse than that. It's the worst place that you can imagine. She's telling them that after they canceled on him, um, he ended up taking another gig in Eagleton and, and everybody groans. At a library. Boo! And everybody groans louder. And then Tom's, that's literally the worst place I can imagine. Uh, I love that one. Um, despite Andy, I think Andy's a little down about what just happened between him and April. Yeah, so he he's is. not in the mood to play, but Leslie is trying to talk him into it as a replacement for Freddie Spaghetti. And 
I think she's slowly able to talk him into doing it. And he's listening to her and he and Andy finally gives in and he says yes. And he starts to get pumped, you know, in typical Andy fashion. And um, he runs off to go home and get his guitar. And we hear Andy's motorcycle engine revving and then Andy taking off. And the next thing we know, a car horn is blaring and Andy crashes his motorcycle into a moving car, flipping, flipping him off the cycle and injuring his arm. Uh, Well, you know, Mark, then we're back at Pawnee or, uh, you know, Ann Perkins Hospital, as you call it. That's right. And, uh, (laughs) you know, this feels pretty familiar, right? Yeah, we've we've (laughs) injured Andy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. at, At the hospital. We have Leslie and Ann and Ron uh, standing around, I think, with Dr. Harris, Dr. Harris is, is yeah. his name. With the, he's the guy who like, took off his cast yes. in, in season one. Yeah, put, um, I'm about to put this one on. Man. Um, so, yeah, they're standing by Andy and Andy's laying in a hospital bed with wrappings on his <clears> arm <throat> to kind of immobilize it as much as possible without an actual cast. Um, he apparently has two broken bones in his right arm and four in his hand. So he's kind of messed it up. Uh, and Leslie asks, well, Andy can mouse rat play without you. And he said, no, they, they, they've tried and they're, they're called uh, rat mouse and they're, they're, they're awful, but they're terrible. You got to find someone, Leslie. Well, to that point, Mark, Leslie, you know, or AKA Renata Ricotta <laughs> is now taking the stage and, you know, she's determined to make this thing work one way or another. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that she realizes she has to do something because, you know, the, the crowd is there and they're obviously expecting something. Um, and they're kind of silent at this point, but you can tell like there's there's an energy there, like they're getting restless. Yeah. Um, so Leslie gets on stage and she tries to make a, she tries to make a kid friendly announcement that uh, Freddie Spaghetti couldn't make it. You know, he got he bumped his noodle and oh, there's sauce. It was scary. And then you know, he starts scaring <laughs> the kids a little bit. Um, and then she's I think she's searching for something to occupy the crowd. Yeah. So she tries a little bit of light. Uh, a crowd interaction activities like, you know, if you're happy and, you know, clap your hands. Yeah. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Freddie Spaghetti comes on stage and the crowd goes nuts. Um, and Leslie quietly tells him off mic. Well, I thought you're playing Eagleton. And Freddie points over at Ben, who is standing off to the side and says, all I know is this guy showed up and made me a much better offer. And I'm all uh, about the money, babe. And I'm all about the money. <laughs> so it's kind of sweet. Um, and then Freddie starts singing some of his best known tunes and the crowd sings along and everything's going great now. And Leslie kind of walks to the side to stand by Ben and watch. I love it. You know, I love that he kicked this off with my favorite Freddie Spaghetti song. You know, itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot linguini. Love it. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that, really. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that, you know, maybe Ben's not as bad as we thought. I know. We'll see here in a minute. Well, at this point, Ron finally gets to meet Lucy, with whom he's immediately impressed, and uh, I think vice versa. Yeah, I think there's a mutual admiration going on here. We, we see Ron at the concession stand, and Tom and Lucy walk up to join him. And Tom introduces Lucy to Ron, and they shake hands, and Ron is immediately impressed with her firm handshake, um, telling Tom, well done, Tommy. Um, I think Lucy's quote, I didn't write it down, was, yeah, you know, my my dad told me that weak handshakes are only for, you know, wimps and commies. Yeah, weak men and communists. <laughs> I think Ron immediately is like right on. Then she says he hated both. <laughs> <clears throat> and then 
Ron then takes uh, a, a, a huge Tom says, is, is you got a turkey leg there? Is that bacon wrapped around it? And he's like, yeah, they call this a Swanson. And he takes a big, a big bite out of it. And he he, he walks off with a, what I called a meat soaked smile on his yeah, face. Yeah. Freddy's spaghetti, almost like he's meat drunk. Oh and God. Lucy is kind of staring at him as he walks off and says, that guy rules. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, injured Andy and Ann Cakes have, uh, you know, an unexpected reunion of sorts back over at Pawnee General slash Ann Perkins slash <laughs> Pawnee St. Joseph Hospital. Oh, all those things and more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it starts out. It's kind of a sweet, uh, a sweet gesture on Ann's part. She brings Andy every color of jello, uh, the jello rainbow, if you I will. Love it. And, um, and and in general, I think is just kind of looking after him while he's in the hospital bed. And Anne starts to reminisce a little with Andy saying, you know, him being injured is kind of like old times and it's kind of this weird vibe. And then she leans down to kiss his cheek, which then turns into her kissing him on the mouth. And he returns it kind of, but I think only on reflex. Like, I don't think he was into it, so to speak. He does end up leaning back away from it. And when they part, Andy looks kind of stunned and speechless Um, and Anne looks horrified (laughs) and she tries to stammer an apology and then walks off completely embarrassed. Yeah. And Andy's just kind of laying in the bed like I don't he's not pleased. I think he's scratching his head and kind of like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do at this point. You know, know. he didn't ask for that. Yeah. Andy, five or six episodes would have been gleeful. But, uh, you know, he's turned that corner now. And I think he's really, truly in love with April or becoming that way. And this was unexpected, probably for both of them, frankly. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, what what rhymes with Taglioni? I I don't know. And I don't think Freddie does either. Uh, Taglioni. You're right. But you know what doesn't? Egg noodles. <laughs> Come on. No, I've tried. That doesn't work. Well, Mark, we're I think we're back over at Lot 48 and, you know, Freddie's still on stage. You want to. And then the, there's this little interaction between Leslie and Ben. Should we play this clip and then talk about it? Yes, please. Let's do that. All right. Egg noodles. Why did you do this? Well, I'm not a monster. I want the kids to have their concert. Oh, mean Ben has a soft spot. Is that what you guys call me? No, mean no. Ben? No, no, no. But this is really great today, but there's going to be a lot of pain ahead, Leslie. We have to cut 32% just, of the- Please, just stop it, okay? Just for one moment, enjoy the fact that you provided a service for people. Not a cut. A service. And they love it. But this service was getting you to stop singing. <laughs> That's great. This was a really good scene. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I know we love the writing here in Parks and Rec, and I think that they're doing, in my opinion, a great job of continuing to make both Chris and Ben very interesting, multifaceted characters. You know, yeah. it's, it's clearly not as simple as a white hat, black hat. Yeah. Uh, ben is not yep. the bad guy. He's been given a, a, an undesirable role that he has to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's human. He, he's got a human head, as we say, you know, he's not a monster. So I think this was, this was nice. Um, not only to show us the audience that he has that, that good side, but also I think to show Leslie. Well, and I think he's going to, this is another, you know, um, piece of how he's going to kind of 
chip away at her and get her to recognize that he isn't the monster. You know, he's if he is a black cat, it's because he was handed it and asked to wear it. Um, you know, it's not by choice. Right. And I think the other thing that's going to happen here, too, we're going to see is, you know, both Ben and Chris are going to start to to get the Leslie Nope syndrome and they're going to start to really have Pawnee kind of chip away at them. So I think this is the beginning of that for both of those arcs, if you will. That's a great point. I think that's true. Well, I think the only other thing that happens there is that, you know, real quick at the end of this scene, you know, as the crowd's listening to Freddie, you know, Lucy suggests that she and Tom head back to Anne's house. And then I think we're going to end scene. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that, that that happens there is, you know, Lucy says, yeah, you want to, you know, you want to go back to Anne's house. <laughs> and Tom just for a split second is not quite sure if she's serious. And once he realizes that she is in oh, fact yeah. serious, he takes off like like the fairway Frank was after him. He he <laughs> takes off at a dead sprint oh for Anne's gosh. house, pushing children out of the way. Yeah. Move. <laughs> um, and then a smiling Lucy soon follows along, probably at a slightly slower run. But, you know, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of running in this episode. First, you know, Ron slides in the first and, you know, Tom is now, uh, you know, well. I guess technically trying to do the same thing. A lot of physical comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, back over at the hospital, April, who has just heard the news about Andy arrives and all is well again. Well, maybe. Yeah, it certainly seems so at the very start. Uh, As you said, April shows up and I noticed, Alan, April is kind of breathless as though she had run all the way there. At least that's the way it seemed. And April asks if he's okay, and tells him what she said earlier was stupid and that she totally wants to go out with him. And they have the moment that they've been building up to. I mean, that April leans down and kisses Andy. And this time Andy is into it, unlike yes. with Anne. And it's a nice long kiss. And when it's over, they both slowly pull away with both of them kind of laughing softly and smiling. And I love the exchange. It's, it's bittersweet in a lot of ways. Uh, can we go ahead and just play this this clip? Yeah, absolutely. That was nice. That, yeah. <laughs> Here's just one thing real quick. I want to be totally honest with you because I like you so much. But like two minutes ago, me and Anne did kiss. What? But here's... No, no, no. Uh, it was crazy. She kissed me. Okay, bye. I think, wait, where are you going? Bye. No, 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 no. Hey, April. Bye. April! Bye. Dude, don't even think about kissing me. <laughs> that poor nurse. She didn't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. What, what you couldn't see there, the the viewers at home, and we know we've done the research. We yeah. know you're not viewers. Yeah. Still um, not viewers. Yeah. A, a, a non Ann Perkins nurse uh, comes into Andy's room, probably to read his vitals or whatever. Yeah. And, and after all this, these kissing shenanigans, Andy just kind of lashes out at her and says, dude, don't even don't even think about kissing me. Ah. <laughs> uh. You know, Mark, the beginning of that sequence is so nice. They're having their moment. They have this really nice kiss. If only it it had ended right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I think Andy, he doesn't he wasn't expecting the kiss, but I think he kind of feels guilty about it. And I think in his mind, he thinks if if I just tell her and get this behind this, everything's going to be fine. Oh, I think for sure he had the best of intentions. I mean, I, I get both sides of that fence, though, you know? Yeah. Because I think that's been one of April's uh, Achilles Achilles heels, a big one that she's been very nervous about what what exactly does Anne mean to him. And, you know, you throw that in her face and Anne is clearly her trigger point. And, you know, he just pulled the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, meanwhile, Chris enters Anne's house. You know, I think he's looking for Anne, but uh, he finds something else. (laughs) 
This is this is so short and so funny. Yeah. Chris, you, you see Chris kind of walking briskly and jauntily and whistling outside. He's walking up to Ann's house and he approaches the front door and he knocks. Then Ann Perkins, Chris Traeger. And, and then he at, just walks in. And then after a few beats, he, he goes inside. Yeah. And then Chris <laughs> cheerfully says, well, hi, Tom. Who's your friend? <laughs> and Tom, Tom and Lucy, who are, you know, um, they, they're mortified, you know, and Tom basically says, dude, get the hell out. Like, OK, Tom, you got it. And, and Chris exits the house, just just cheerfully, jauntily walking away. And uh. I mean. So he good. wasn't trying to be a jerk, I don't think. No. Like, he was just being very genuine and Chris-like. And he's like, oh, yeah. you? <laughs> who's your friend? <laughs> I, I love how okay, nothing Tom? phases Chris. Oh, so funny. Uh, yeah. That, that, the word nonplussed, Mark, I think that's the word I would use to describe him. Good just descriptor. totally not affected yeah, by him. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that's great. Well, back over at the concert, things have wrapped up. And Leslie's thanking the crew and also agreeing that, you know, with little Chelsea that, you know, Penne and the Jets was by far Freddie's best song. <laughs> oh, yeah. And suck at Paris, France. Suck at Paris, France, indeed. Yeah, we, we see by Leslie talking to this young girl and her mother that, it you know, by extension, the crowd uh, really loved it. Uh, it the, the concert went over well. The mother was really appreciative and they were going nuts, um, uh, you know, with the government shutdown in place. Um and so I think it, it, Leslie has to consider that a success, you know, yeah. and after talking to them, she turns around to address the gang, which I think at this point is Ron, Donna, Jerry, Tom and Lucy. And she says, you guys are the best, most important people in the most important government in the best city in the world. Um, you know, which Tom had suck at Paris, France, because, you know, <laughs> in the world that that's a big inclusive. It's a big group. world. Yeah. And then she also adds kind of bittersweet, like, well, I would say see you tomorrow, but, but you know, government shutdowns in place. So everyone says goodbye. You know, we see Ron kind of briefly put his hand on Leslie's shoulder and say, great job. And everyone else chimes in as well. You know, good job, Leslie. Good job. Um, and they all start to leave they, one by one, um, except Leslie, who's just stands there. And she's kind of looking at what's left of the concert with a very satisfied smile on her face. You know, this she's she's very pleased at how this went. Yeah, I think she's looking here in reflection and, you know, that reflection actually continues. We see her next. A few hours have gone by and she's kind of sitting on a familiar bench in a familiar place. And, you know, Mark, should we should we play this clip and then talk about it? You know what? That's a great idea. Let's do that. All right. I liked this a lot better when it was a pit. <laughs> Is that weird? I'm sorry. I called you Mark Brendana quits. Don't ever apologize to me. <laughs> I'm serious. If if everyone in government were like you, then I would probably still work there. I got you a going away present. You did. Mm -hmm. Here, <laughs> red tape, <laughs> so you'll never forget your roots. That's really nice of you. Yeah. Well, I have <laughs> something for you too. You do. I um sort of threw together some plans for a future park. I couldn't fit everything in that you wanted, like the roller coaster or the shark tank, but I think it's a pretty good start. <laughs> Thank you. You're really welcome. But your Pawnee's bankrupt. I doubt I'll get to build a park anytime soon. I wouldn't bet against you. See you around. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And that's it. That's Mark. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Brandanowitz walks off into the sunset forever. Yeah. Mark yeah. has left the building, so to speak. Not our Mark. Mark Brandanowitz. Yeah, I, I ain't going nowhere. You yeah. can't. You need a crowbar to move me out of here. <laughs> um, this was this was a really good scene, though. I mean, I think, you know, there, there's a lot that can be said about this. But just, I mean, in brief, there's some really nice writing going on here. There's some nice, um, uh, obvious symmetry uh, going on between the end of season two here and the end of season one. Yeah, it's the same bench. Mark and Leslie sitting together. They even share a kiss uh, in both uh, uh, occurrences uh, for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think this was a really nice uh, <clears throat> goodbye scene uh, for Mark. You know, I, I think he he's grown. His relationship with Leslie has grown. He obviously respects the hell out of her, uh, you know, and and kind of passes a mental baton saying this is the way I interpret it, saying, you know, I'm leaving. But here, take this. This is going to help you with your future endeavors, which I know is to build the park, which is going to kind of be a continuing story throughout this whole series. You know? Yeah. You know, Mark, again, I, I think, like you said, there's a lot going on in this really nice sequence here. A lot of it is just the beats they took between the moments. You know, um, it's a really honest goodbye scene. It's not forced. Feels very natural. Feels very real to me. I love that she gave him the red tape. And I love that, you know, he knew what she would want. And that's the, these plans for Lot 48 have been so important to her. I also like what happens after Mark walks away. Leslie takes a beat. She looks at the plans. She unrolls them. And you can kind of hear her thinking, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. And I've talked about the connections between this and West Wing mm-hmm. so many times. But that was, you know, President Bartlett's thing you know he would always go all right what's, what's next? next yeah and he and leslie like the they're both you know so driven she's sitting there looking at those plans thinking about how how am i going to make this happen you know i saved today but what am i doing tomorrow you know that that's a that's an interesting perspective and i think i agree with that i i think um i think i looked at it just a little bit differently i think that she was she was kind of sitting there she watches mark leave and i think she was taking in that he's he's leaving yeah and then I think she I, I just kind of interpret it as she's looking at the 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 plans he gave her thoughtfully, like, well, let's let's see. I mean, I guess you're right. I guess it's the next thing. It is. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, though. She I don't know that she's like fully fleshed it out in her brain yet, obviously. And I do think she's reflecting on that. That was a nice gift from Mark. She's going to miss Mark. She wishes he wasn't going, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but hey, he's just going to be down the street at this construction company, Mark. So it's not a big deal. They'll see each other next week. They will. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, Mark, you know, I think that's really that that's like scene 26 of day one. (laughs) It was a long day. The only thing left to talk about, I think, is uh, what's going to happen on day two, which is pretty much the kicker. You know, Leslie shows up at City Hall and checks in with Ben, who's somewhat surprised to see her, but probably not really. Yeah. Ben asks what she's doing there. And Leslie tells him that Ron made her uh, instead of him. Ron made her the official Parks and Rec representative for the EBTF and uh, for the budget discussions there. And now she's considered essential personnel which she proves by showing him her new badge which i'm with a much better picture much by the better way picture um both eyes are open and she ends by telling ben so shall we get started i have so many ideas yeah and ben kind of looks warily at her but still kind of grins like i think he's getting used to her and maybe yeah. even kind of respects her or admires her at this point but you know what even if none of that were true this is a genius move on ron's part mm-hmm. to put leslie in there Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, send send in the dog. Right. You know, yeah. Make keep them on their heels. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, I think after that, you know, we 
cut over to Tom's office. He's packing up with some help from Lucy and he, he finds something he's desperately been trying to find. And, and they both then see something they were hoping to never see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you said, Tom's packing up stuff and Lucy's kind of sitting with him, just kind of looking on. Um, Tom hears Ron whistling and then sees him once again wearing a red shirt, Uh-oh. which he tells Lucy is a well-known indicator that he just had sex, uh, which I think we last saw on Ron and Tammy, I want to say. Yeah, Ron and Tammy. Um, yeah. However, we then see Wendy walk up behind Ron and the two kiss. And uh, Tom is uh, obviously flummoxed by this. And Lucy asks, well, who, who, what, what's going on? Who is that? And Tom says, that is my ex-wife. Ugh. End scene. Fade to black. Fade to black. Wow. Well, I think so many, so much about that last scene, you know, well, Tom is shocked to see mm. this. Um, I'm not sure Lucy maybe even knew that Wendy existed. So there's that. Yeah. And even if she did, you know, she's also somewhat horrified <laughs> when she's seeing just like us, Mark, the viewers. Yeah. 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 Good for Ron, I guess, but uh, bad for us. I guess. A little bit of a jerk move on his part, I thought. It is. And, and you know, I'm certain we'll see what happens from here as we get into season three and see if there's anything to talk about in terms of that relationship. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, Mark, that was a great breakdown. Thank you. Um, you know, I think we should take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do what we always do. We'll talk about tropes first and fun facts. We'll score it. And then We'll all go. Well, you'll go home and then I'll just I'll sweep up the studio and I'll leave, too. I like it. Sounds like a plan, man. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you have an urgent need for speed? Are you in the market for a flashy, rad motorcycle? Are you looking for some of the most impressively high interest rates this side of the Mississippi River? If so then make your way down to Mitchell's Mean Machines and check out what they have in stock. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. When I first arrived at Mitchell's Mean Machines, located just a short drive south from Pawnee, I was only minorly impressed. But then I learned about Food Truck Fridays. This fantastic promotion involves a food truck and free turkey legs and bacon to all potential buyers. Since learning this, I have committed to perusing their fine establishment regularly, to the point where they have now named their special bacon-wrapped turkey leg a Swanson. Mmm. But back to crotch rockets. According to an acquaintance of mine, who said that Billy told him so, Mitchell's Mean Machines will customize your jacket, helmet, and other accessories to color-coordinate with your Mean Machine. And they'll even equip it with the same engine used in the Air Force F-14. Okay, I kind of doubt that one. Either way, their friendly sales folks, including Billy, are more than happy to help you with any of your motorcycle, ATV, or power sports needs. Just add whatever you buy onto the lease, and you don't even really pay for it. Okay, I I kind of doubt that one as well. It it sounds like someone needs to speak to Billy's manager. Anyway, when you go to Mitchell's Mean Machines, tell them Ron sent you. Because if you don't, 
I'm eventually going to have to buy something. So, if you'll excuse me, I need to head south. The food truck arrives around 11. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, welcome back. Well, Mark, you know, I thought real quick, we'll just mention the deleted scenes. Um, Two minutes, 38 seconds. I think there are technically eight of them, depending on how you count Mm -hmm. all of the Pratt alternates for the motorcycle scene. Um, Boy, whoever the guy that sold him the bike was did not do him any favors, despite what Andy thinks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he upcharged him for everything and a lot. Yeah, a lot. That and really the only other one was that uh, the one we already mentioned where, you know, Clearly, you know, having your pancakes floating in a bowl of syrup is the best way to eat pancakes. <laughs> that that one did make me laugh. I can't argue with that. I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen her pull something like that at JJ's. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. They, they <laughs> need to have that on the menu. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mark, what about tropes, first fun facts, goofs, all that great stuff? Uh, what are your thoughts this week? I had one first and I felt like I was missing something, but I only came up with one. I had I had a few tropes. Um, so my, my first is, is pretty simple. Uh, this is the first time April and Andy kiss. OK, um, no, that's valid. How about you? Did you have any other first? That was really it. I mean, I, I didn't like have a lot of firsts this week. I had that one and uh, zero others. So that would do it. <laughs> All right. Well, one for one. We, we've really struggled to find first. And I, I yeah. want to think through that as we get into season three. You know, maybe that we'll see more of that. You know, we still got, uh, you know, basically four and a half seasons of the show to go, but um, not a lot of firsts so far. So actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to recant because I have a new trope to oh. introduce. Oh. And I realize by the nature of having a few tr- a new trope it yeah. has to start. Yeah, yeah. There's so a there first. is a first. Sure. But what the is fir- it? but the first may have been last episode. Okay, fair so enough. So I may have kind of screwed up. So this, this is a catch a up first. Maybe. Fair I'm, I'm going to let the judges decide. All right, the judges will decide. So getting into tropes, uh, the first one I'll say is is the one I'm alluding to which is Ben says no, sorry everyone. <laughs> Because that's now happened, I, th- I believe, two episodes in a row. It's it's the Chris Ben one-two punch. It is. Right? Yeah. And I believe that this kind of sort of, I mean, we have the advantage of future knowledge, but I think this <laughs> this continues on through the series. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny just because it's it's the same thing. You're like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm really supportive. I think what you're doing is great. Uh, now my partner Ben has something to say. No. Oh, Ben, are you sure? Yes. Damn. Sorry. I tried. <laughs> exactly. We tried, everybody. Um, the other tropes I had. So I assume the judges give me a thumbs yeah, up judges on that. Give you a thumbs up on that one. So that's kind of a first, but for last episode, too. Fair enough. All right. So the other pro- tropes I had a uh, PBJ for punching bag Jerry. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a two or three, I think, like yeah. Leslie hugs Jerry at first when he shows up. And then she sees April and shoves him aside. And no she way. also tells him not to be a wuss. His doctor yeah. says, don't be a wuss and get the heavy equipment from the truck. Um <laughs> There's a, a, I guess, mouse rat names, kind of, because the, the, the alternate band is rat yeah. mouse, but it's, it's, yeah. it's eh. you don't want them. No, yeah. they're terrible. <laughs> and the only other trope I could think of was um, I didn't see any blatant instances of OMG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did say a trope was uh, the Ron Tiger Wood shirt. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I missed that one. And uh, then then uh, I'm done. What do you got? 
I love from the commentary track that uh, Mike Schur ensured everyone who was listening that the, the Tiger Woods uh, thing, they, they didn't do the red shirt because of the Tiger Woods uh, scandal <laughs> thing. Uh, that happened afterwards. So he's, as he put it, uh, we're not chasing Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is chasing us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, the only tropes I had that you didn't already hit on, I had Libertarian Ron. Good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, boy, if there was ever an episode that just clearly spelled that out, it's this one. Um, I also had the PBJs. You did as well. Um, I, you know, I, we've kind of had that Leslie over the top thing. I altered it a little this week. I think it is a different trope. Hmm. Um, Leslie tackles the impossible. And this is certainly not the first for that. Um, but she's there's there's not yet been a challenge, nor will I can I remember one that there's going to be where Leslie just doesn't figure it out and and go after it, regardless of how hopeless it may seem. That's a good point. Yeah. So I kind of like that one. And then the uh, last one I had was crazy Pawnians. Uh, here they are again. You know, with the, <laughs> I mean, what you want my children to be in the house, my house. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. I always love it when we get to see the citizens of Pawnee. I did have one goof. Yeah, what was your goof? Um, so this, and I got this from the internets. Um, oh yeah, so you, we know it's true. <laughs> um, when when Chris visits, is this moon math? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> when when Chris, uh, although I did see that yeah. when when Chris visits Anne in the hospital, um, apparently he he uh, in one shot he takes off his earbuds and puts them around oh, his yes. neck yeah. uh, on his shoulders, but in the next shot his earbuds are completely off the shoulders, neck, and you know, so yeah. it, it's. It's something small, but just something that I saw. That's kind of interesting. And then when he says goodbye to run away, they're back hanging over this front again. Right. Right. So they start in the front, they go to the back, they wind up in the front again. Uh, I don't own a pair of earbuds like that, and I don't want any if they're going to crawl around my neck like that. That would make me uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't want them to be alive. No, no, no organic no, earbuds no, for me. No, that's that's why I dropped out of Hogwarts. That's, so. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> All right, fine. I was kicked out. <laughs> Blood, blood. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> um, did you have any goofs or fun facts? That's all I had. Uh, no, that that that's pretty much it as well. I, I, I someone had brought up on the internet's also about the moon math being wrong, and um, I, I would only report that had I taken the time to also prove whether it was right or wrong. And um, I'm not a nerd, or well, I'm not that big a nerd, so I did not do that. Right. I encourage everyone at home to go run the math and tell us if uh, Chris has run one third of the way to the moon or not. Yeah. And get back to us. Get back to us on that. <laughs> yeah. If you do, we'll send you a mug. How's that? Yep. Yeah, we'll do that. That seems fair. We got to get some mugs first, but then I, I, I would get us <laughs> mugs if, if someone actually wrote in and told us that we were wrong about that. Oh, see, this is a whole chicken or the egg situation. It really is. Yeah. Well, you know... I also last week reported a little bit on some of the highlights from the commentary. I think I've kind of already done it this week. We've mentioned the ones. It was another classic commentary that I like listening to. And we've mentioned this, you know, good dozen episodes or so back where there was another one of these where it's like full cast and everyone's there for the commentary. So you just don't have the opportunity to learn a lot because they're mostly reacting and you're enjoying listening to them react. It's like watching the show along with them, um, which is a fun way to do it. Yep. I agree. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, we don't show for the DVDs cause we don't get any money from that, but, uh, go pick them up and then send us a check for a couple bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. Thank you. NBC. All right, Mark. Well, I guess all that's left to do is give this thing a score. What do you think? I think we need to give this thing a score. Yeah. All right. Well, 
first of all, I, you know, in my opinion, this was um, this was a fantastic episode. I mean, really, really, really good. I, I thought that this and the episode before it were were a couple of just awesome uh, season enders. You know, you, you can I don't know if you can get better than this. Um, th- there's a little part of me that can't decide exactly what I think of Chris Traeger, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but suffice to say, I, I love his character. I love how how almost pathologically cheerful and earnest he is. <laughs> yes. In a way, it seems that that's at odds with what he knows has to happen. Yeah. Like to, to, to tell you he's so supportive knowing Ben's going to squash it in just a second. He doesn't seem like he's slimy or manipulative, though, so I can't reconcile that. Anyway, that can be for another podcast. You know, I, I'm a little conflicted about the exit of Mark. Uh, I, it, you know, you and I have talked about this, Alan. We, I, we think his character got better and better yeah. uh, as the show went on. And it's a shame to leave him. It's a shame, shame for him to leave at what's probably his character's zenith as far as like likability and and being fun to watch. But I, I also like the way they wrote these last two episodes. You know, plot wise, it definitely makes sense. With the budget crisis and government shutdown and Mark taking the buyout. So like plot wise, I follow it. Plus, you know, we, we talked about there being a satisfying symmetry between season one and season two. So I think that was a really good writing on their part. Um, a lot of great physical comedy in this one. Oh, my gosh. I, I think I'd have to say I might give Chris Pratt the MVP for this episode. He did so much and he mm. was so good with so many different people. Um, but there Lines, are- physicality. um, Facial reactions, all of it. Yeah, I, I I will agree with you on the MVP selection this week. But, but I mean, but it's close because everybody always does such a great job. I mean, yeah. uh, holy cow. Ron was a very, very close second. Ron was a close second. And it's funny because as I remember the scenes that he's actually in, he's he's in less scenes than I remember him being in. But he's so effective when yeah, he's in true. them. Yeah. Um, so j- just a good job by everyone. Um, you know, the the only negative I could possibly say, which isn't really a negative, is is Jerry and Donna weren't in very many scenes, but they they were there and they were they were still funny in the scenes they were in. And Jerry yeah. got some PBJ moments. Um, so anyway, and, and great con- con- uh, continuation of the quirky characters of both Chris and Ben. You yeah. know, they're not beating us over the head with it. I think they're kind of spoon feeding it to us a little bit at a time. And it's still enjoyable to kind of take this journey and go, oh, OK, you, you are a little bit deeper than we yeah, thought, you know. Um, OK, so my score. I started out with a I gave it a four point five base score. It's pretty high. Uh, I thought yeah, this is great. It's got a lot of good plot. Uh, it's got a good plot. Lots of LOL moments. Yep. Great character relationships. Um, you know, we see Brenda Anowitz take off. We see uh, April and Andy kiss. Good stuff. I'm going to give a half point for great physical comedy and overall fantastic job done by Chris Pratt. We talked about that. My MVP uh, half point for continuation of giving Chris and Ben interesting nuanced characters. Um, I'm going to give a full point to the variety of Ron shenanigans we we saw from <laughs> bacon wrapped turkey leg to gunshot ringtone, slash it penance, spectacular grass wipeout. I mean, he did a great job. Very, very funny. Yep. Um, I'm going to give a whole half point to Chris walking in on Tom and Lucy. <laughs> it's 15 seconds. It just made me laugh so hard. Uh, half point for April and Andy finally directly admitting their feelings to each other and sharing a long awaited kiss. Finally, finally. Uh, half point for Ron's uh, great line when he says to Ben, no other department has a Leslie Nope to begin with speech. Mm. It, it's great to see that loyalty from yes. Ron. Well um, it, it, good stuff. And finally, I'm going to give a full point for a well-written, thoughtful send off for Mark. And again, good symmetry with season one finale. Uh, so you add all that up and 
that comes up to nine little Sebastians. And I know that last week I gave a different score for the original show versus the producer's cut. Yeah. I didn't know if there was such a, a distinct difference this week. So I just said nine overall. This was very, very good. I, I was torn, honestly, between nine and nine point five. Could have gone either way. In the end, I thought I liked the master plan just a little bit better than than this one. But but not by much. This is this could be my second favorite episode of of ever so so far at least to date excellent job well i i would agree with you i think last week i i kind of averaged my score between where i felt like you know the the producer's cut was so much beefier and had so much more richness to it that you know that was like a nine and a half and you know really the other the 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 canon cut i found a little disappointing and it might have been maybe an eight and a half so i i just rounded there and right in the middle and gave everything a nine um this week i feel like this is a really solid episode. It's a great way to close out the season. It had lots of laugh out loud moments, but in some ways, I think maybe because of the government shutdown, Mark's departure, which I think at this point you're starting to feel bad about because you're started you've started to like Mark. Um, you know, and just the kind of general damper of you know the the black hat uh, city you know uh, auditors here kind of telling Pawnee you know what's what. You know, you're kind of feeling bad about a few different things. And I feel like it kind of has it cast a little bit of a pall over the happiness and joy of the show. And that's what kept me from giving it a nine and a half. Um, but those are, you know, the fact that they're able to make you uh, come up with those emotions and feel that way about the show is actually just a tip of the hat to the writing. Yes, so, agreed. Um, nine Little Sebastian, solid episode. Um, again, you know, kind of looking back, those are our two highest scores. Uh, the, the last episode and this, I think overall, um, did we have anything that was in the I think, nines? I think one I, other nine? I think you had one nine and yes. I had one nine. I want to yeah. say mine was the camel and yours may have been hunting trip. Hunting trip. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. And that's uh, still one of our more more popular episodes on the podcast as well. So that's interesting. Yep. But um, yeah, when I look back at season two, those those three or four episodes are the standouts of the season for sure. Yeah. Um, looking forward, they're... I seeing the titles for season three made me remember some of the standouts we're going to get to see <laughs> coming up here in a few weeks. And I'm, man, that's going to be fun to go through that. I can't wait. I can't believe we're at the end of season two. What a journey, huh? Yeah. Well, Mark, I uh, just to, to wrap up this episode, I'll give you my top 10 moments. Yeah. Um, as usual, there's more than 10. There's 11. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in no particular order, really, except these might be somewhat in the order of the episode. Uh, one, I, I burn my tongue. Don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, yesterday, one of those pigeons took a beep on me. <laughs> And I was indoors. <laughs> Bad sign. Uh, Chris Trigger, my goal is to run to the moon. Uh, Pawnee kids are less important than poop tubes. <laughs> and you devious bastard. Yep. Um, motorcycles. It's just like driving half a car. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's we didn't even one. talk about that line. It That's was so good. good. Yeah. Another Pratism. Uh uh, let's see. Uh, is that bacon on your turkey leg? They call it a Swanson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suck it, Paris, France. <laughs> and dude, don't even think about kissing me. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know whether that was 9, 10, or 11, but it didn't really matter. Those are some of the top moments from the show. But, uh, yeah, this was a, a really good, solid episode to end the season on. Not much to be disappointed in here, except that, you know, 
this guy that we didn't like so much at first and started to like is, you know, maybe too little too late. And uh, Mark's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, Mark, I think to move us forward, you know, we're going to be coming back with a spotlight episode. Uh, we're, we're calling it uh, loosely titled Goodbye, Mark Brandanowitz. Hello, Chris and Ben and other people uh, or something. We're going to work on that title. I think we can do better. <laughs> I think, uh, well, if we don't, NBC will. Someone will. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if NBC AKA'd us? Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten nasty letters, uh, you know. Have their attorneys started calling us yet? They really have. I keep on giving them your number. <laughs> That's weird because I gave him Constantine's number and he told me he gave him your number. Oh, this is just going to be a rock, yeah. paper, scissors from hell. Okay. This sounds like an episode of Three's Company or something. <laughs> You know, I, I think we're also on that same po uh, spotlight episode. We're going to have a special guest. A gentleman has written a spec script that uh, basically says, what if Mark Brandanowitz did return? Nice. So, yeah, we're going to have him on the show and that'd be great. We'll talk a little more about that during that episode. Uh, we're going to come back with a full interview with actor Christopher Murray, who played Nick Newport Sr. Yep. Um, we're going to try something new here as well. Apple is doing something cool for podcasters like us, letting us kind of offer free, uh, you know, premium content. Uh, we're we're going to do that for free. We're not going to charge anybody, but it will ask that you sign up and become kind of a subscriber of the podcast, so to speak. And we'll start to drop some exclusives on there. I think we're going to drop the full interview of Kevin Simons and some other things. So we'll have more information on that as we get a little closer to it. And then finally, we'll get on with the business of season three and episode one, which is go big or go home. Wow. I can't wait, man. Yeah. So we got a lot to look forward to. And uh, I think during one of those weeks, we might actually take a break or something. <laughs> get out of Dodge for a minute. That's right. Yeah. So. All right, Mark. Well, this was a great episode. It was a great season. Thank you for everything you bring to the show. Constantine, I know you can join us today. We missed you. And thank you for everything you bring to the show as well. All right. Well, thank you back, sir. This has been a lot of fun. And I really and welcome look to the to round table. Oh, this is this is stellar. I, I feel like a, a night of ye oldie time. <laughs> All right, Mark. All right, everybody. Well, it's been a great week. It's been a great season and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Music